You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness, for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me, and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart, and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my life, and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. Morning. My name is Jake Hotchkiss. I'm a, a preacher, pastor here at Schweitzer. Um, and uh, if you're new, I'd love to meet with you uh, afterwards if you have any questions or anything. But otherwise, just welcome to our family, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Um, two quick warnings. One is that uh, I very well may trip over this thing like four times in this sermon. I just realized this here, so uh, be on guard. And second is that uh, this sermon is, I'm just, I'm just going to get it out there. I, I don't even want to say sorry or anything because it just is what it is. I have worked harder for what feels like uh, much less um, of a result than I'm used to getting with the sermon. It's just, and, and my hope is that, that God is going to do something with this very plain and simple and not really beautiful uh, or eloquent truth for you this morning. But you need to know that I've, I've labored hard for this message that uh, may be uh, stupidly simple, uh, non-beautiful, and even hard to hear. Um, and yet, I believe it's, it's God's word this morning. So, we're in Psalm 25, and the first time I read Psalm 25, I spent weeks, maybe even months actually, I do this, I, I, I spend a lot of time in one psalm until it becomes my prayer, like I spoke about last week. And um, the one verse that stuck out to me in Psalm 25 that I would reflect on day after day was, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Now, uh, don't get too caught up in the language fear. 
All right. Um, it's, it's used a lot in the Old Testament, uh, some in the New Testament. And I don't want you to think of fear as this like emotive, like I'm frightened by always worrying about what God's going to do. Not that kind of fear, all right? Fear in the Old Testament, more so of a, a worshipful, humble obedience and reverence for God, right? As evidenced by my actions and the way that I live. So that's the kind of fear we're talking about. Um, that's beside the point. For those people who fear God, he is friends with them. And what captivated me about this word friends is that an alternative translation is the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. The secret counsel of the Lord. Now that was intriguing to me. If I live my life unto God, he will speak to me. He'll share his secrets to me. If I can be uh, the kind of person who treats God the way that he deserves to be treated. On a day-to-day basis, God will speak to me secretly. Give me words that are just for me. Guide me in ways that I would never know to be guided otherwise. This is not just visions of grandeur. This is not just dreams. This is not just prophecies. This is not hearing even the audible voice of God. This is much less magnificent. This is much more mundane. But this is the thing that I want on a day-to-day basis, on an hour-to-hour, on a minute-to-minute, moment-to-moment basis, the voice of God whispering in my ear. And what I want you to know this morning is that um, as I've grown in my faith, I've begun to experience that. I'm not saying I, I, to the fullest extent by any means, but at times, I've begun to experience that, and you can too. When I first started, uh, when I first became a Christian, for a couple of years, um, I would have here and there every few months like a dream where God showed up to me. Um, and these dreams were very powerful, very meaningful, and um, I, I came to really crave those dreams, and I wanted them. And at times, I'll say, God, could you just speak to me like that again sometime? That's super cool. That was awesome. Could you, could you do that for me? And then I realized that maybe the reason God needed to use dreams to speak to me is because I wasn't able to hear him throughout every, any given day. So as I've matured in my faith, I've actually... Um, started to long for not dreams, not visions, but God's simple voice. This voice is not just for specially anointed people. I know I'm up here preaching. Um, I know you see me up here often. I know, you know, Jason, you know, Bob, you know, others in the community who you look at as people who are more spiritual than others, whatever, and you think, um, some of you think that we're somehow uh, more, more privileged than you are, that God speaks to us in ways that he does not speak to you, or that he will not speak to you, and I, you, you have to know that's not the case. This voice of God is for you, for all of you all the time. This is such an amazing gift that Christians everywhere forsake, that Christians everywhere know nothing about. You gotta ask yourself this morning, do you know anything about this incredible gift, that voice of God? I always say this, I'm not criticizing, I'm just stating a plain reality, okay? We've gotta be honest with ourselves. Do you know anything about this incredible gift? 
If not, it is directly related to your prayer life. Directly related to your prayer life. I spoke about this last week. You're going to hear me talking about this a lot through the Psalms series that we're in. That if we're not creating space and time in our day for God to speak to us, he's not going to speak to us naturally in the times where we're not really inclined to pay attention to him. We've got to set aside time where it's just God and us. We've got to lay down the constant activity, whether it be on our phones or the TV or the computer or, or just uh, working or just, I could go on and on. We've got to create space for God to speak so we can learn the sound of his voice. Of his voice. My covenant discipleship group um, met this last week. It's a group of eight of us here at the church um, who hold each other accountable. And uh, we decided this summer, that's our, our goal, is to improve our prayer lives significantly this summer. I want to ask you to do the same. The series that we're in is perfect for it. Every week, we're going through a different psalm for 10 weeks. This is week three, all right? So seven weeks left. And here's my homework for you for the next seven weeks is come on Sunday, hear the, hear the psalm that we, that we preach and we read about or whatever, and then go home and read that psalm every single day for at least 10 minutes. I would say at least 20 or 30 minutes, but we'll start with 10. We'll start easy, okay? Read and reflect on whatever psalm we go through every single day for at least a week, and do it like I told you about last week. If you missed last week, I'll, I'll give you a recap. Is that the Psalms were written to be songs, right? And so when we go to the Psalms looking for advice, we don't really get much out of it because you don't listen to a song for advice, do you? Not usually. When you go to the Psalms trying to like grow in your knowledge of, of Scripture or whatever, uh, understand the faith better, you, you can certainly do that, but you're not going to get much out of it because that's not why they were written. They were written by God's people as prayers, as songs, as music for us to connect to, right? So when you turn on the radio, you listen to a song, it's, it's to connect to it. It's to make it your own song. It's to enjoy it, Right? It's to connect to the message, and so that's your goal week to week, day to day, is to take the psalm that we're doing and to make it your own, all right, to make it your own prayer, to make it your own song. And my goal by the end of this series is that uh, this church, this congregation will be in love with the psalms and that your prayer life will be drastically improved, will be moving in the right direction. Um, To help you do this, real quick, too. Download the Schweitzer app and listen to the Psalms music. The creative team that we have here is uh, making some really good, I mean, really good music. Uh, you're going to hear a song after uh, I'm done preaching. That is, it's a Psalm 25. It's for every psalm. They're, they're producing a song. And uh, it can help you commit these to memory. It can help you do exactly what I'm talking about. So listen to it. Use this in your devotion. That's, that's an amazing thing. All right. We're going to move on to this psalm. Psalm 25, and we're going to look at two verses. There's 22 verses in this psalm. We don't have time to go through it all. And often psalms are that way. They've got a lot of different points. And and so you got to figure out what is it that you connect to or what message in the psalm is it that you want to connect to, okay? This morning we're looking at verses 4 and 5. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth. And teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Every one of us 
has, pray, has prayed something like this in a time of desperation, have we not? I'll read it again. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you, God. Help! Every one of us has prayed something to this effect in a time of desperation, in a time when we're, when we're at the end of our ropes, we're at the end of our wits, we're confused, we don't know what to do, we don't know what we want, right? We've been in that place. But this morning, we're not talking about that place. Because I want you to start praying this song, praying these verses on the mornings when you know exactly what you want to do. On the mornings when everything is a-okay. When you have plenty of rope left. When you've got all your wits about you. You know what I mean? When, when you've got no confusion about which direction you want to take your life and you know what you want, that's when I want you to pray this psalm. Show me the right path, O oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. It's in these times where we assume that we're on the right path, that this must become our prayer because we are oh so inclined to pave our own road before us. And that road does not lead where we think that it goes. The salvation we think is at the end of that road. The happiness we think is at the end of that road. It's not there. It does not await us at the end of that road. I want to ask you a question. Uh, I'm going to ask for a couple people to share. What, what do you do? I mean, and don't share in great detail, but like what do you, what do you plan on doing later today? Napping. Napping. Boom. Eating. Eating. Is that the same person? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. What else? What? Packing. Packing. Okay. All right. Any, who, loving. Loving. Okay. All right. Anyone else? What are your plans for today? Performing. Performing. All right. No, that's good. That's good. Anyone else? Laundry. Laundry. Okay. All right. So you get the idea. Are any of these things that were just listed, that were just stated, are any of these things bad? Our natural inclination then is to say, they must be just fine. God must be fine with them. God, I mean, I, I must be on the road to Christ. I'm definitely not off the road of Christ, you know, or, or the way of God or the path that God wants to lead me on uh, because I'm doing laundry or because I'm performing or because I'm eating or napping or whatever. You get what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, we have this general sense that as long as I'm not hurting anyone or like uh, overtly sinning, or then I'm good. And there's some truth to this idea that, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a generically moral uh, life. And those are generically moral things to do. That is right, all right? And I, I'm not suggesting you guys shouldn't be doing those things at all. The question we have to ask ourselves, though, is did we consider God when we made these plans? And that may sound silly to us, right? Like, do I really need to consider God when I do my laundry? Do I really need to consider God when I, I'm napping? I mean, that, that sounds extreme, Jake. That sounds radical, as if, like, discipleship is radical. Um, 
But you get what I'm saying? We kind of miss the point. We miss the point is that it's not for God to control everything that we do. And it's not, I mean, and it's not generally for us to just be good people. It's not for us to just stay out of trouble. That's not God's path for us. It's just to be generically moral people. That's not, Christ was not just a generically moral dude, all right? The way of a Christian is a way that is inseparable from the voice of God in one's own life. And we so often start our days saying, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And these aren't bad things. Some might even say they're good things. I mean, they've got, these things have to get done. And it's, it's just life. It's not about whether the things are good or bad. It's about whether or not God is included in all that we do. Did you start your day by asking this simple question? Lord, show me the right path. Are you truly open to the idea of not napping, not performing, not doing your laundry? Not, have you opened yourself to those possibilities? You get what I'm saying? Or to doing those to the glory of God. <laughs> That's the life he's calling us to. Now, I'm going to read this again. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Every one of us has probably prayed a variation of this prayer. Let me show you how it goes. Show me the right path, O Lord, as long as it doesn't require me to suffer. Show me the right path, O Lord, as long as it's quick and it's easy. Point out the road for me to follow as long as I still get to do this or have that. Just don't make me do that, God. Lead me by your truth as long as the truth is easy on my ears. Teach me how to follow you without having to leave my old life behind. We've all prayed that prayer, haven't we? This is a prayer that God will never answer because this is a road that does not exist. This is something called conditional discipleship, or at least I'm calling it that for the sake of this sermon. I want to read for you what Jesus has to say about conditional discipleship. This is just one example, Luke chapter 9. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. The text does not tell us whether the person continued following Jesus, but I assume not. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father, a good and noble thing to do. But Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Those words are not popular <laughs> today or in our culture or in any culture ever. Those words are simply not popular. They're the words of Christ nonetheless. 
Even good things should not get in the way of us following Christ. And too many Christians are saying, I'll follow you, Jesus, if. I'll follow you, Jesus, when. I'll obey you, Jesus, after. I'll finally get to taking this life of discipleship seriously once I kind of get these things straightened out and in order. When will be the time? When will this finally happen? If we want God's direction for our lives, our first direction, our first order, our first command is to abandon everything and to follow him. For too many Christians, following Christ looks like paving our own path and asking him to come along with us. It's quite the opposite of following Christ. It's Christ following us wherever we go. Guys, that is not the Christian life. That is not discipleship. That is not life in the spirit, nor life in the kingdom, and it does not lead to where, oh, so many people think it goes. Follow Christ. I gotta ask you this morning, in what ways are you set? What conditions have you given to God? What do you insist on having or doing before you will submit all to him? What priorities come before your relationships with and your obedience to Jesus Christ? Think for a second. For me, it's comfort. I'm just going to name it. It's become uh, very, very evident recently that what gets between me and God, the thing that I say like, uh, <laughs> yeah, God, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you when I can do it comfortably, you know, whatever, it, it, it's comfort. I hate suffering. I, I, I think part of it is just uh, we live in like the most comfortable time ever. We, we don't suffer very often, and so we don't suffer very well <laughs> or very gracefully. And I just, it, and so this displays itself in many, many, many ways. But comfort, comfort is my thing. What's yours? What conditions have you set? In a big way, at times, I've, I've said, um, my future, I have a desire to be like a, a, an author, a writer, a teacher of the faith, but of course, renowned, and you know, millions of people read my books, and, you know, what that's, and, and that following Christ must lead me to that end, right? That's a condition that I said, and wow, a little lofty, a little, I mean, a little ambitious, a little, I, I get, and that may be of God in pieces and may not be. You get what I'm saying is, is that that's been a condition for me, and I've, my first direction from God is to let go of that and to simply follow him regardless. Hear me say this morning, the path that you're on with conditions is not the path you need to be on. Get off it. My soul is growing increasingly aware of the level to which I must die. Um, there's just this like, I told you, it's not like a fun sermon to be <laughs> It's not. Uh, but I'm growing increasingly aware of the level, the degree to which I've got to just give 
everything's a God. And I'm, and, I, and I'm not there yet. I mean, there are still just so many things that, that are vying for my attention and my idolatry and my worship. And, and, um, and yet, the, the closer I get to giving those up, the, the harder it is, the death is just more and more imminent. But I just keep thinking to myself, like, how long am I going to play this game of, like, kind of following Christ but hanging on to all these little things? You know what I mean? Um, how long am I going to play this game. And this, I mean, this is like the worst kind of slavery. It's, it's one foot in this world and one foot in the other. And, and, and it's, at times, it's truly miserable. And I just, um, one of my prayers for myself and for the church is that we just take the plunge. In every way that we know how, every day that we wake up, we say, God, there are no conditions to me following you. Show me where you want me to go. So what am I asking of you this morning? It's that praying this prayer, show me the right path, O Lord, that you would leave no stone in your life unturned, that you would leave nothing out of the question, nothing off limits, that you would make no assumptions and no conditions, but abandon your will completely for his. You would place your faith in God alone and that you might discover his amazing will in your life and experience his incredible faithfulness and love. I think one of the problems is that we've, many of us at many times, and we've just not been on the path long enough, that path of, of real, true obedience, faithfulness. We've not been on it long enough to see the fruits of it, and so it's tough to trust, right? Like we just suffer a little bit, and then we go about our way again. And so if we would just give God time to prove his faithfulness, he would. And he wants to so badly. That when we find this hard to do, that we can turn our eyes to our Savior, who left his life in heaven, who abandoned all his comforts of heaven, and rejected even the comforts of this world to save us, to forgive us of our sins, to fulfill the will of his Father in heaven that we might have life. So this morning, um, so we remember this, this call to discipleship, this call to follow Jesus that is just oh so hard <laughs> We just remember what it was that he gave. It wasn't like he gave up Netflix or that he gave up, you know, like a career or that he gave up, you know. He gave his life. He gave his body. He was broken that we might be made whole. He gave his blood and shed on the cross for us for the forgiveness of our sins and that a bridge might be built. (laughs) to lead us back to him and to his love. I want to read for you um, a word that I believe is from God. I received it through prayer this week. As you come and receive communion, I want you to hold these words in your heart. How far have you strayed? How far have you roamed? Have you found what you're looking for, reached your destination? Are you sure that the path you've chosen will take you there? When I told you to follow me, it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't to be taken lightly nor to be considered as to what degree I am to be followed. 
I meant all the way, I meant all of you. I also didn't mean to take me with you, but rather to leave yourself and join me. Now hear this, beneath this command isn't cold, rigid legalism. It's not to burden you or to bind you or control you, but rather to free you, to save you, to love you. There is no other way, there is no easier way, at least not, that leads to me. As hard as this may sound, it is not my wish that you be overwhelmed by it. It is my wish that you trust me. It's my wish that you learn the sound of my voice, to trust it, rely on it, wait for it at all costs. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you pour out your spirit on these blessings of bread and juice, that they might be for us the body and the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for setting such a wonderful example, for building such an awesome bridge, (laughs) Um, for leading us back, all of us who have gone astray so many times, for bringing us back on the path that leads uh, to life. We place our faith in you. We trust you. Give us the courage to abandon all of those things that we set as priorities before you and just simply to follow. We need your spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.